Hey everyone, this is Scott, and my co-host is Joshua Marsh, and we want to say thank you for taking time out of your day to spend it here with us. Our goal is to provide you with insight about our lives, how we navigate it, and how our faith is that compass. We want to encourage you to pray more often, more consistently, and in all things. Talking with God is about just that, the conversation that you have with our Heavenly Father. Prayer is not complicated. We make it complicated. There's no special sauce to getting prayer right. So let's shed that stigma that talking with God is complicated. God, our Father, is there to listen to us in all seasons. Whether you are in a happy mood, or maybe you are facing some struggles and are angry at the world, or even God himself, he is still there. So join us each week on Thursdays as we talk about our lives and how that relates to talking with God. Thank you for joining me here again on Talking With God. I am grateful that you've taken time out of your day to spend it here with me. If you enjoy our content, the best way to support us is by spreading our message and telling everyone you know about this podcast. If you'd like to support us with a donation, you can buy a shirt or you can donate on our site, twgpodcast.com. Last week, we finished up part two of chapter five in Experiencing God. In chapter 5, Henry Blackaby laid the foundation for the rest of the book with the seven realities of experiencing God. The first reality is that God is at work around you. That is the one we will be talking about today. The chapter kicks off with a California inner city church that was declining in a neighborhood that was seeing its residents move to the suburbs. The church had decided that after completing their study of experiencing God, that they would disband the congregation. Like we are doing here in the first units of the book, the church learned that God is always at work around them. This knowledge was met with some feeling that it was kind of silly given the church decline. However, they committed themselves to watching and praying during the week to see where God might be working. And boy, did he show up. An apartment manager contacted the church and asked the church, if they could do anything for some of the kids in the nearby apartment complex. The manager offered free use of the apartment building's common room if the church would do some activities with the youth. These essentially latchkey kids were the gateway to a population of unwed mothers, drug addicts, and gang members living in the community. From those children's activities, the church launched several new ministries to meet the community's needs. People began meeting Christ, and a church that was going to shut down after their 13-week study found themselves revitalized instead. They were in the center of God's activity, but it took them listening and watching what God was already doing. When the assignment came, the church responded by joining God in His work. When you want to learn how to know and do the will of God, you should always look to Jesus. We can find no better model than the way he conducted his earthly life. Although Jesus was God, he was also completely human. During his life on earth, Jesus perfectly fulfilled every assignment the Father gave him. He never failed to do his Father's will. He never sinned. He demonstrated what absolute surrender to God and obedience to his will looks like. It's possibly the clearest statement Jesus made in John 5 about following God's will. 
In John 5, 17 and 19 through 20, Jesus says, My Father is still working, and I am working. I assure you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son also does these things in the same way. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. Jesus recognized that his Father is always at work on earth to accomplish his divine purposes. God did not create the earth and then abandon it so that he could sit on a heavenly throne and observe it passively. He does not treat us like the Truman Show. He is present and in the middle of human activity. He is actively at work redeeming a lost world, and he chooses to involve his servants in carrying out his redemptive plans. Now, Paul, he explored that truth in a letter to the church at Corinth. He writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17-20, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Now everything is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he was committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we, as ambassadors of Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. Now, this leaves us with some truths and some questions. Since the Father is at work reconciling the world to himself, and since he has chosen to carry out that reconciliation through his people, What are we to do? How are we to respond to that commission? Well, Jesus already told us this in John chapter 5 that we just went over. He is our perfect example and gives us this outline. First, the Father has been working all along. Second, now the Father has me working. Third, I do nothing on my own initiative. Fourth, I watch to see what the Father is doing. Fifth, I do what I see the Father is doing. Six, the Father loves me. And seven, he shows me everything that he himself is doing. Jesus was always clear that the work he was doing was from the Father, not himself. And you can see that in several verses in the Bible. I'm just going to give you three, but there are way more. John 7.16, My teaching is not mine, but is from the one who sent me. John 8.28, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own, but just as the Father taught me, I say these things. John 10.37-38, If I am not doing my Father's work, don't believe me. But if I am doing them, and you don't believe me, Believe the works, this I in the Father. Again, there are many more, but the point is is that Jesus is the model of not only how we should behave as Christians, but the type of relationship that we should be having with God. Jesus realized that he could do nothing by himself, yet with the Father at work in him, he could do anything. This is particularly significant for you and me because Jesus was the Son of God, Yet he never took the initiative to dream a dream or launch a new ministry. He lived his life in absolute dependence upon his father. 
If Jesus was that dependent on the Father, then you and I should realize how ludicrous it is for us to set out on our own without any direction or guidance from Him. Right now, like right now, God is working all around you. And one of the greatest tragedies among God's people is that even though they long to experience Him, they don't know how to recognize Him at work in their midst. And this is why I personally started reading this book and why I hope that giving you some insight to its contents, that you'll go buy it for yourself or someone you know or love. It is life-altering and perspective-changing. How many of us long for God to do a significant work in our lives? How many of us realize we are trying to bypass the amazing relationship of love that God provides? This is why we were created, to establish an intimate love relationship with God. And that is far more important to Him than what you can do for Him. Anticipate that the first thing that God will do in your life is to draw you into an intimate love relationship with Himself. When your relationship with God is as it should be, He will begin giving you assignments at His initiative. Now those assignments, they can be a scary prospect too, especially if you have put yourselves in a mindset that God will only give us assignments on what He believes is our spiritual gift. And we really need to talk about this spiritual gift that we believe we have. Many people will take a survey or questionnaire to help them show a spiritual gift they may have had in the past. And I do mean that, in the past. Discovering your spiritual gift can be a bit of a mess. It assumes that Christians will always keep the same gift and that once they discern their gifts, that they should accept ministry opportunities that match the gift and decline any ministry that is not supported by those particular gifts. It's important to understand that a spiritual gift is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit working in people's lives to enable them to obey what God asks them to do. Biblically, God always gives the assignment first. Then God equips the person by the Holy Spirit to accomplish what he assigns. We have to remember that when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. It's not just merely receiving a spiritual gift. We receive the Spirit Himself. So I think it's really important that we repeat that because it's so easy to forget that. We did not merely receive a spiritual gift. We received the Holy Spirit Himself. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is the gift. When you recognize that God is inviting you to join Him and you respond obediently, even when it is to do something you believe is outside of your giftedness, you will experience God working in and through your life in an entirely new dimension that you never imagined possible. Everything we learn or gain as gifts after that is God equipping us for the work. It's something that He does because He has invited us into His work. We can't discover God's activity. God has to reveal it to us. We don't choose what we will do for God. He invites us to join Him where He wants us to be involved. We see that pattern in the Old Testament with Moses. 
So once Moses had stopped giving God excuses on why he was not fit to serve within God's work, God ended up doing amazing things with Moses. The Old Testament actually has a pattern of how God invites, equips, and completes the work he intends using someone like Moses or David or Deborah. And that is the pattern. God gave an assignment to a person, the Holy Spirit equips that person to perform that assignment, and then the proof of the Spirit's presence was that the person was able to complete the assignment effectively through the enabling of the Holy Spirit. There is danger in trying to perform a ministry that you think you are equipped in, but are not. And Blackaby tells us of a woman who longed to serve in the church and had a tender heart towards people that were sick in the hospital. So she was offered the, to be the church's official hospital visitor. What Blackaby found, however, is that while the woman was sincere about her tasks, she was not equipped to do it well. When she visited people in the hospital, she would also say something that would upset the person or leave them distressed. They would tell her about their sickness and she would say that she knew someone in the same position, and that person died. Can you imagine being in a bed, unsure of your health? Somebody who is supposed to be there comforting you says, I had a friend that had the same thing happen. They're no longer with us. That is not an encouraging prognosis. So while she meant well, she was actually doing the opposite of what she felt she was gifted to do. So Blackaby ended up having to talk to her and discuss that she had a powerful prayer life, that God had given her a passion for intercession, and he saw that because God regularly answered her prayers. So after thinking on it, she agreed, and so Blackaby gave her a list of 75 names of people connected to the church that had not met Christ. And she prayed in earnest for those souls, and many actually came to know Christ. Even today, he will call her when he wanted to enlist her for a serious prayer. God had equipped her to pray in all things and was blessing others around them with the work she was doing with God through prayer. So what have we learned? And I think it is worth summarizing. A spiritual gift is a manifestation of God at work through you. God works in and through you to bear spiritual fruit. Your focus should be on God living his life through you to accomplish his purposes. When you concentrate on a particular gift you receive in order to do something for God, your attention is usually on self rather than on God. If God merely provided us with a gift, we would tend to place our confidence in the gift rather than in him. But since the Holy Spirit does the work through us, we have to continually re rely on our relationship with him if we want to be effective in the ministry he gives us. Conversely, if we refuse to obey what God asks us to do, the Holy Spirit will not equip us. We don't need to be equipped for something we refuse to do. Our divine enabling always comes as we obey what God tells us to do, never before our obedience. So focus your attention on hearing God's call to an assignment, which is his invitation for you to join him. When you adjust your life to him and obey him, the Holy Spirit will work in you, enabling you to accomplish what God desires. When he calls you to an assignment, how are you going to answer? 
Maybe he's calling you now, and you have been ignoring that call. Don't you think it's time to grasp the hand that has been extended to you, even if it might be a little scary? That's where spiritual growth happens in us saints. Maybe you are just starting your journey or considering devoting your life to Jesus, but haven't taken that step. What is holding you back? We'd love to hear from you and pray with you. One thing we are all equipped with as a Christian is our testimony. God equips you with something very powerful right from the start of your new life. He isn't going to leave you and we would love to hear what you have to say. You can reach us through our website or on our social media pages. So my last question, friends, will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the work that you do every single day that we are oblivious to. We live in a world where things are rush here, rush there, and rush everywhere. And we are always being bombarded with the next best thing. And it blinds us. It blinds us to the reality of who you are. Our mindset should be to look at what you are doing around us and not trying to do something for you. Invite us to do amazing things with you, Lord, so that we may enjoy the fruits of your work. I know that you are at work around me always, and when you invite me to your work, that my success is not through my initiative, but yours. The clarity you give allows me to see the love you have for me, and that the work I accomplish with you. Thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity to serve in whatever assignment I am given, knowing you will equip me to complete the task. The grace, care, love, and desire to see your children succeed is unfathomable, Father. It is humbling, and I am so, so grateful. In your most holy name I pray, amen. Thank you again for taking time out of your day to spend with us. Can I ask a small favor? Okay, well, maybe it's a couple, but they are really important. First, can you subscribe to us? Second, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, can you give us a rating and let us know how we're doing? That helps our podcast get discovered. And if I'm honest, it makes us feel good too. Even if it's just a one star out of five, it's crucial feedback so that we can improve. One last thing, can you share this with your family or friends? We're on all major podcast platforms, and even if it's just two people, maybe your whole Facebook or Twitter, whatever you're comfortable with, we're happy to have that. It would mean the world to us, because every little bit helps us get discovered and allows us to share God's message to the world. We hope that by sharing this prayer with you, that you are encouraged to pray more often and more comfortably. And most importantly, your relationship with God grows in talking with Him. If you'd like to share a prayer, check out the link below and contact us. We love you and hope that you visit us again next week.